So now we come to Romans chapter 7, but let's say a few general things about uh, 6 and 7, rather 5 and 6, before we move on. The way Paul is going at this is very, very interesting. What Paul is doing is really describing life in the kingdom of grace. The kingdom of glory hasn't come yet, of course. That will come when Jesus returns and the kingdoms of this world will be taken over by Christ and he will reign. And uh, the mortal shall put on immortality and uh, there will be no more death or sin. But um, in the meantime, we live in the kingdom of grace. That is, Christ reigns And he reigns in our hearts, and he reigns in the sense also of having broken the power of the kingdom of Adam. And so what we see in chapter 5, for instance, is that Paul is saying, since you are now in the kingdom of grace, the wrath of God, the judgment of God, is no longer upon you. God's wrath, as you remember, is motivated by love. And uh, because God is wrathful and yet he is motivated by love, it means that he's rising up against the things that destroy the world. He's rising up against sin and death. And in that, he is defending us against Satan. He's not against us. God is for us. That's what the gospel says. Romans 8 39, if God is for us, who can, 31 rather, who can be against us? And so God is for us and has revealed that he's defending this humanity in Jesus Christ against Satan. You say, well, what about all the judgments of the Old Testament? They are not against humanity. They are that mankind may come to know that God is the Lord. Once we understand the gospel, We understand that God has taken the eternal judgment upon himself in the person of his Son. And so the earthly judgments that we go through cannot be against us. They can only be redemptive and restorative and corrective. That's what they're all about. And so when you go through trouble and judgment in your life, God's not against you. He is actually for you. And so the wrath of God in the kingdom of grace, has been removed, and we are now reconciled to the heart of God. That is what Romans 5 is all about. And then Romans 6 comes along, which we've been spending quite a bit of time on, as you know, and that's about freedom from sin. But not freedom from sinning or the sins that we still uh, struggle with and uh, want to overcome yet, but freedom from the identity of sin, the kingdom of sin and death, and that judgment and, uh, that comes with sin. As Christians, trusting in Christ who died for us, now we have a new identity. We are no longer counted as sinners, and we have this relationship with God of being reconciled to his heart, of being able to live in his home by faith, of being able to talk to him and tell him all our troubles, even our sins, without any judgment, keeping our heart open to God because his heart is open to us. Well, then comes, you see, chapter 7, 
And chapter 7 is utterly fascinating. And I want to say to you that those who are still in a misunderstanding of the gospel and still in legalism, thinking that the law will um, um, give them approval, that is, obedience to the law will give them approval before God, those people have a very, very hard time with Romans chapter 7. I know I did for years and years and years. What do you do when you have a hard time with certain passages of the Bible? Well, you generally simply avoid them, and that's what I did. Romans was something of a conundrum for me uh, years ago because I saw very beautiful passages in it, good, uh, positive um, words of faith and uh, grace, But then I saw all the other, which I didn't understand because I was looking at it all through the eyes of legalism, and so it simply seemed to contradict itself. And when it came to the issue of law, and Paul talks about dying to the law, we need to die to the law, well, that just couldn't make sense of that at all. And it seemed frightening because what I thought in those days was that the law keeps you from sinning, that the Holy Spirit gives his power to you in order to keep the law so that you um, learn not to sin anymore. That's what I thought the law was all about. So when Paul comes along and says we died to the law, well, I thought that simply doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. So I would ignore Romans, chap- uh, the book of Romans as a whole. And that is a terrible tragedy, because the truth about death to the law is absolutely wonderful. It gives us our um, entrance into a new level of freedom. You see, people who are legalists think, well, if I'm dead to the law and I don't bother about the law, what will make me an obedient and good Christian? What will make me do right? What will keep me on the right track? Paul hasn't neglected that subject at all. He comes to chapter 12 and he describes not law, but what do you think? The next three chapters, 12, 13, 14, uh, four chapters actually, 15, 12 to 15. He doesn't describe law. He describes love. What has happened to the Christian, as he puts faith in Jesus Christ, is that he is so thankful, or gradually grows in thankfulness and gratitude, that he starts acting towards the world with the same perspective. God has loved him, so he's going to love others for the sake of God. God has loved him, so he's going to love others a little bit like God loves him. And so we are not Christians who are libertines, that is, people who simply don't believe in law, don't believe in a good life, but simply let it all hang out, as it were. We are not libertines or libertarians. We are people who believe in a liberty from judgment and from condemnation and from guilt to such an extent that it gives us 
a new energy and a new outlook to do wonderful things for the world. You see, Christians do more now than obey the law. They love. The law says, pay your tithe. But love says, I'll give more than my tithe. I will give my life for the world. I'll give my heart to others. I will help them where I can. I will go the extra mile. That's what love does. So it's not that Paul just lets us or calls us to die to the law and then um, just to go on doing whatever we want, but rather we die to the law in order to belong to God, in order to have this love-slave relationship, this fellowship with him that becomes very, very beautiful and very, very grateful. So that's where we're going to go with this uh, theme of dead to the law. Now, I want you to notice it's connected, of course, to chapters 5 and 6. We are, we are freed from the wrath of God in chapter 6, I mean chapter 5. We are freed from the identity and condemnation of sin in chapter 6, and we are freed from the, ju- <laughs> excuse me, the judgment of the law and the law as a means to righteousness in chapter 7. All of these are related. If I am freed from the wrath of God, then I'm freed from God's condemnation, which means that I'm freed from his law, which condemns me. Because, you see, I'm still a sinner. I'm still in my fallen human nature, but I'm counted as if I were just, uh, I am actually counted justified, which is a legal term which means declared innocent. I am not guilty. I am innocent. Well, I mean, we all know that we're guilty of various sins or others. But you see, we are not brought under the judgment of those sins. Now, that does not give us the freedom to simply continue to do them, but rather to keep developing a love relationship with God that slowly gets me out of my messes. But you say, well, that's the problem, Colin. I've, stay, I've been in my mess for years. I've never got out of it. And that uh, disheartens me and makes me feel that my faith is not real. No, what you need to do is continue to persist in faith, believing that you are counted righteous, even if uh, sins and habits and uh, addictions are still dogging you and biting at your heels. The issue of faith is a permanent one. We live by faith from start to finish. We don't say, oh, well, I've been a year or two at faith now and it uh, still hasn't got me out of my sins, so I'd better give up. No. God did not give faith for a certain amount of time. I'll give you a year, I'll give you two, I'll give you ten years of faith. But after that, you'd better, you're on your own and you'd better be obedient uh, so that you don't need faith. That is not the way it goes. Jesus is the author of our faith and the finisher of our faith. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And we trust in his righteousness and we trust 
in his love for us, counting us whole as if we were already redeemed uh, by the second coming of Jesus, when in fact we are redeemed by faith in his grace at the moment. The real, full, literal redemption has not yet come, but we act as if it did. So when we get to studying this chapter 7, we're going to find that we have to exercise a, a faith that almost contradicts our emotions. Well, not almost, it actually does. Because when I tell myself I am not condemned by the law, something screams inside of me and says, are you kidding yourself? Stop fooling yourself. You are condemned by the law because you are still struggling with this or that or the other and still haven't got everything right. But faith, you see, in Jesus Christ counters our emotions. Faith is counterintuitive, in fact. Faith says, I know the reality of my uh, mind, I know what my head's telling me, but I know something greater, and that is Christ, who is my righteousness, and in him I have peace, even though I may not yet have it in myself. In him I have peace and access to God. Thanks for joining me today. Colin Cook here and How It Happens. And you're listening to a broadcast that you can hear on your smartphone or other remote device. Simply download soundcloud.com or podbean.com and key in How It Happens with Colin Cook when you get there. You can also hear the broadcast on the radio at 10 o'clock in the evening in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states areas, repeated at 4 in the morning on KLTT AM 670 in the, uh, yeah, as I say, in the Denver area. If you'd like to make a donation, it would be so much appreciated to keep the radio broadcast going. Send your donation to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado 80160, or you can make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. That's faithquestradio.com. End of year donations, uh, of course, are very much appreciated. So thanks. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.